Hey, it's Monique. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to episode 34 of the Brown Vegan Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with me. And of course, the mission of this podcast is to show you that vegan life is simple, delicious, and most importantly, long term. A lot of people will start this journey and they're just like, I don't know how this will look for me long term. So the goal is to show you that this is something that you can do. And not only that, but it is simple and it's fun and it's approachable. So I have an amazing guest for you today. Tracy McCorder is on the show and she's been a vegan for 30 years. Yes, she's going to bring her expertise to us, okay? We're going to talk about how to embrace a vegan lifestyle during the holiday season. I know this is a time of year where we're just kind of second guessing whether or not we should do it or we should wait until next year. And she's going to give some very down to earth advice on how to embrace a vegan lifestyle in a way that works for you. And so the first part of the um, conversation is going to be getting a backstory, you know, backstory about how she got started, um, how veganism relates to black people, because a lot of times we don't really feel like it resonates with us. Also, she's going to talk about um, why the connection with like-minded people was so essential when she got started on her own journey back in 1986. You can purchase Tracy's book, By Any Greens Necessary, on Amazon or any local bookstore. I've seen it in plenty of local bookstores here in the D.C. area. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Tracy McCorder. Thank you so much again, Tracy, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Of course, I want to find out why you decided to become a vegan and what year this was for you. Thank you for having me, Monique. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, I became, I first started on this journey in 1986. So um, about 30 years ago, I was a sophomore at Amherst College in Massachusetts and our Black Student Union brought Dick Gregory to campus to talk about the state of Black America. And instead he decided to talk about the plate of black America and how unhealthfully most black folks eat, most Americans in general and and black folks in particular um, was his topic that day. And he kind of had a captive audience there. um, And I was one of those uh, students and I was not a healthy eater and was not interested in eating healthfully at all. And I had gained 25 pounds my freshman year in one year because I was away from home and could eat um, hamburgers and hot dogs and french fries every day and pizza and and never eat vegetables. So um, I, what really got me about his speech, I tried to tune him out, um, but what really captivated me was that he started to trace the path of a hamburger from a cow on a factory farm through the slaughterhouse process to a fast food restaurant, to a clogged artery, to a heart attack. Mm. And I had never heard anyone talk about food in that way. And it was, and it just really stopped me cold. You know, it it was devastating for me because he described it graphically and and his talk was about two and a half hours. So I immediately gave up hamburgers and hot dogs for a week and then decided that he was crazy but I couldn't get what he said out of my mind. And so I did my own research a couple months later for the summer when I went back home to DC and read everything I could in the, in the local libraries. And this was 1986. So there was not a lot, um, but there were some books, including Gregory's book, cooking with mother nature, which he published in 74. And, um, my mother and one of my sisters decided to go vegan with me. They read the same books. And by the end of the summer, we decided to go vegetarian first, actually. Um, and then the next semester 
I went to Nairobi, Kenya for study abroad and they would not allow me to be a vegetarian because when I signed up for the program I wasn't. So uh, I had an incident at when we were on safari at, an, um, at a restaurant with an animal that made me know I would become vegetarian and I talk about that in the book. Um, in the introduction. But when I came back to the States, I went to Howard University the second semester. And it was there that I met this community of black vegans and vegetarians in DC that I had known nothing about previously. And they had started the very first all vegan cafes and carryouts in the city, in the nation's capital. And so I immersed myself in this community and I learned everything about vegetarianism and veganism, how to make it affordable, how to make it delicious, where to shop, what to cook, how to read food labels, um, the, the politics of it, everything. And so for a good nine months that semester and then the summer, I became a very knowledgeable and confident vegetarian, but I couldn't give up cheese. And so I went back to Amherst to finish you know, my senior year, and I was the only vegetarian that I knew on campus. And so what I would do, and they wouldn't let me off of the, of the meal plan, so I took myself off the meal plan because at that time, 1987, they did not have vegetarian entrees. So this was before Whole Foods was on the East Coast, and we had something called Bread and Circus, and I would catch the bus once a week to Bread and Circus, buy my groceries, come back to the Charles Drew house where I live, cook my food in the basement kitchen three days a week and carry my plate of food across campus to the cafeteria and eat with my friends. Mm. And I did that the entire year because I had been immersed and I had this knowledge and confidence from that experience with this community in DC. So um, I, I knew what I was doing and I knew why I was doing it. And so the, it was just a matter of me, you know, having to do it and, and dealing with whatever um, loneliness, you know, that I that I felt. I still knew that I was doing the right thing and the best thing for me. And so that's how I got started. And I would say within that year, I, I decided to give up cheese. That was that was the final thing for me. Yeah. How did that look, though? What did you do to um, move away from the cheese? What I did actually was read, read, read everything I could about how harmful cheese is, how it's produced, and what it does to the body. So it's one of the highest, uh, one of the one of the main sources of saturated fat in the American diet. And so I read about what that does to the body, and I read about how cheese is produced, what they do to the animals. And for me, it starts it, it started in the mind, right? I had to have this foundation in my mind because cheese was still going to taste good and smell good and look good to me. So mm -hmm. it had to be a mental decision. It ha I had to get to that point where my mind understood that the momentary pleasure of a piece of cheese in my mouth was not worth the health risk. And it took me that year to get there. But that's what it was for me, just reading, reading, reading. And finally, the click came it's not worth it. Yes. Uh, you know what I really love about this? Um, you touched on your why, why it's so important to have a why. 
and also the importance of ha- making a decision. And I think those are the first two steps in order to embrace this lifestyle. I think a lot of times we jump into it and we're not really clear about why we want to do it in the first place. And then once we get clear, we need to truly decide that this is going to be something for us. So I really love that you touched on both of those key points of getting started on this lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. I'm, my my mantra is liberate your mind and your mouth will follow. Ah, I'm quoting that. Okay. <laughs> Message. <laughs> liberate your mind and your mouth will follow. I love it. I know that the community was vital. Having yeah. that community is so important. I, I truly, truly believe in um, community. It was the community. That's what that's what made it practical for me. That community of folks who were already vegan, who were much older than me. I mean, different ages, but a lot of them were much older than me and had been vegan already for 10, 20 years and had been vegan because of their involvement in the black liberation movements and the civil rights movement. Right. So it wasn't just uh, and, you know, for animal rights reasons. So it, it was a part of their culture. It was a it was a natural evolution in their life to liberate their food and mm-hmm. to free their bodies, right? Absolutely. Um, to become healthy. And so for me, that's what cemented it in my brain, in my body, in my being, that this was a that this was a natural evolution and it was these folks actually showing me how to do it. I mean, they had classes um, where they showed us how to cook, raw food, um, cooked, cooked food. They took us grocery shopping. I mean, they taught us everything about it. And then you could just go hang out and just listen to folks, you know, talking about food and the latest thing that was happening in the food industry. So, you know, it was really the community. And, and, and I think also crucial for me is that my mother and my sister were doing it with me. So we had each other. So even though I felt alone, you know, up at Amherst my senior year, my mom and my sister were doing it too. Absolutely. Right? Yes. It's, oh my goodness. I'm so, so glad that you're talking about that sense of community because, oh my goodness, it is such a lonely, it can be a lonely lifestyle if you're not willing to seek out people in your community who also feel the same way you do. And even if you don't have people around you, you know, physically, the way the internet is, it's amazing. Social media, you can connect with so many like-minded people. And then we have vegan meetups all over the world. Right. right? Yeah, so it's, and, and, and exactly, and different um, types of social media where you can have community, you can become a part of a community. So it is a lot easier now. Yeah, meetup.com is amazing. So let's, since we were talking about books and resources and things like that, let's talk about your book. Because before we met officially, because we live near each other, <laughs> of course, right. just for the listeners, because they don't know that. But before we met in person, I read your book, I would say I had been a vegan for about two years at that point. So what inspired, of course, is amazing. So guys, check out her book, By Any Greens Necessary, which is an amazing title in itself. What inspired you to, first of all, come up with that title and to write this book? Because it was so necessary in our community, especially. Thank you. Um, I was looking for a title that was clever, that was memorable, that was um, urgent, and that reflected blackness. And so I just started to write down different quotes and to look up different quotes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Famous black quotes. And uh, by any greens necessary just came to me. I mean, I'm sure I saw Malcolm X's quote, Mm -hmm. you know, the quote that he made famous um, as part of that. But I just remember sitting, you know, just writing down things on paper and I was like, oh, 
it just came to me and it was perfect. Boom. That was it. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because when my husband met you a few weeks ago, it was the first time he met you in person, of course. And he said, oh, this is the lady that wrote by any, you heard him say that. This, oh, this yeah. is the lady that wrote by any dreams. That's so, <laughs> so it's so catchy. It's so urgent and it's so catchy. So right away he knew it was you. So I think that is important. Um, I think that one of the reasons why your book, of course, stood out to me is because I don't feel like there's a lot of uh, books out there from our perspective. Mm-hmm. And and not saying and, and it is a different type of perspective is as, as much as a lot of people don't want to talk about that. And they say, oh, we're all the same when it comes to food and how. Uh, how culturally embedded right. some of these views are about it. It's just so different. So I, I love that you had that. I actually became vegan when I read Sister um, Sister Vegan by Breeze Hark- Barker. That mm-hmm. was my inspiration. But I know that there's so many people who become vegan off of your story as well. So I think it's just so, so important to have yeah, more of that out there. Two, I think we both, they, Breeze's book came out uh, 2010, a few months before mine, and um, they, you know, they're different types of books, but they complement each other. Absolutely. And, um, you know, so it was great that there were these, you know, boom, these two resources for black women, all about all aspects of, of being vegan and going vegan. And for me, I wanted to, and Breeze's book is fabulous. It's excellent. And I, um, I wrote By Any Greens Necessary and targeted black women because I wanted it to be the first diet book targeting, vegan diet book targeting black women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a how to and why to kind of uh, Bible. Exactly. First Bible. And you, that's like, what I wanted. You've done that. And that's so funny you should mention it because when I think about both books, your book is that, like you said, the how-to, and Bree's book is more of the stories about the transformation, the mm-hmm. stories, and yours is like, okay, you read that, so this is how you actually do it in your everyday life. I wasn't sure if veganism for, was for me for a long time. I was a vegetarian for two years and then became a vegan. It's because it was a, I never really saw it from a black woman's perspective. It didn't really resonate with me. It didn't relate to my life, which is why I do this work. And this is why I have the podcast. And I'm so open about sharing my life and my experiences and putting my face out there because um, I think that's necessary. Sometimes we don't feel like we we relate to a lot of the information that's out there about veganism. A lot of times people who aren't vegan think vegans, they associate it with PETA. And that is just like a, (laughs) and that's like a slither of us as you know, most of us are not extremists like that. So, um, I just think this work is so necessary. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I do hear that a lot. And, and it, and my story is different because when and where I enter veganism is through black people Mm -hmm. completely Mm -hmm. first Dick Gregory and then um, through this black community. I, I will say that I was first introduced to vegetarianism through my seventh grade teachers when I was, uh, uh, when I was at Sidwell Friends School, which is where the Obama girls go. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, that was seventh grade. They wanted our ca- class Camry trip to be all vegetarian. I wrote a petition against it because I thought it was a horrible idea. And I did think that, vegan, that vegetarianism was something that crazy white people did yes. as a seventh grader. Then seven years later, I get introduced to it again by Dick Gregory. And the difference was that it was Dick Gregory, but also I was going through changes at the time. I took the relaxer out of my hair. I was taking all of these political science classes. I was learning about uh, capitalism and sexism and imperialism and all of these isms, right? So I was right 
for um, shifting. I was already shifting my paradigm. So I was right for shifting my paradigm around food. And so for me, the, the blackness part of it, it being a part of our culture was always there for me when I made the transition. Like it, it's through black people that I do this. And I know for a lot of black people, that's, that's not their experience. But what, I, but what I tell people is that it has always been a part of our experience. There's always been this stream running, this current running alongside of the majority stream, the larger stream of how we eat, right? But there's always been black folks who, are, who have been in the vegan and vegetarian movement who have been pioneers. And so the, I, I never want people to think that this is something new for us or something that's, that's different that we are taking on. No, we are actually pioneers in this. So um, that's the that's the perspective. That's where I come from. And when I when I'm on panels and you know and speaking at health conferences um, with all of these renowned older white men, I've been vegan the longest usually. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was and I and and I was introduced to it and and uh, immersed in it through black people. And I always say that you know. So that's something. The people need to understand, you know, that that this is a part of our culture. Well said, well said. So one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on the show is because I wanted you to talk about being a vegan during the holiday season. We have Thanksgiving coming up later this month, Christmas and New Year's, just all of the wonderful holidays. And this is a time when people say, oh, I'm going to go be, I'm going to be vegan, but I'm going to wait until next year because there's no way I can be vegan during Thanksgiving. There's no way I can be vegan (laughs) during Christmas. So because you're such a seasoned vegan and I really appreciate your perspective, I wanted you to come on and just share some tips on how to navigate this season as far as um, criticism from your family, what you should bring to the events, what you should eat before the events, just everything. Let's let's go ahead and dive in. Say whatever you want. (laughs) Give you the stage. It's a it's a great topic. It's a great it's a great question. So the first thing that I tell people that I want to say to folks listening is to relax. Just relax. Just relax about it. Right. So the easier you are with your choices, whether it means that you're going to, um, you know, you know that you're going to be vegan or more vegan or more vegetarian in January. And so you're going to ease into it a little bit and add more to your plate during the holiday season. Ease into it. Be easy about it. That's your personal choice. That's your decision. And uh, you need to be easier with it. Um, and not feel that people are really going to be worried about your plate. And what I have found in with my own family is that the easier that my mom and my sister and I became with how we ate, the easier our relatives became. So when we first started, we were vegan ambassadors. My family's been, my extended family is huge in this area. But we have vegan Thanksgivings together every you know, before Thanksgiving, it used to be on Thanksgiving day for 50 years. Then it changed to the Saturday before. And it's like 50 to 75 people. We used to bring tons of vegan food that we would make and then get from, you know, restaurants, vegan mac and cheese, vegan faux fried chicken and everything, desserts. And we'd bring it, we'd be like, try our fabulous food. And they would tease us like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. This is in the, the late 80s, right? And we did this for a few years. And then finally, we're like, why are we putting ourselves through this? They don't mm-hmm. want to eat this food. They don't have to eat this food. We want it. We will bring enough for ourselves. 
and a little extra for anybody else who wants to taste it. We fix our plates in the kitchen and then we bring our plates out and we sit and we eat with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's how we started doing it. And the easier we got with it, you know, because it's really, it's about the food, but it's also about the family and just being together. Mm -hmm. You're really eating for a short period of time, right? Yes. Connections, yeah. Yeah, and so the easier you are with it, the better, the easier they are with it. And, and, and they eventually the teasing stops. And then um, over, over time, and when they would ask us questions, you know, why are you eating this? Or why aren't you eating this? Or don't you want this chicken? You know, that kind of thing. We never, ever, as a rule, talked about what we ate at the table while we were eating. Yes. And the reason is that I had a friend from college who visited for one Thanksgiving or some one event that we were having honoring one of my oldest aunts. And when someone, and, and uh, I helped her become vegan, um, and one of the, someone asked her about her food and why she wasn't eating something. And she answered and it was really, I thought, um, very unpleasant, you know, what she said and the way that she said it. I thought it was rude. And I was so offended that she was saying this at the table with my relatives and an event honoring my aunt, you know, my oldest mm -hmm. aunt. And that was the lesson for me. It's not necessary to do that. You don't have to make people feel bad about their choices, especially at the table. Yeah. So I never answer the question. If somebody says, why aren't you eating chicken or don't you want this? I just say, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. Or if they persist, you know, well, no, I want to know. Why aren't you eating it? What's wrong with it? And then I say, well, we can talk about it after dinner. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And that's it. Just be easy and just say, you know, and, and if they say, no, no, just no, let's talk about it later. And if they approach you and want to talk about it later, great. Talk to them, have a conversation, share your story with them if they don't know it, if they, you know, and then get into the conversation if they really want to. But remember, just because they're asking doesn't mean that other people at the table want to hear it. And it could be that they're just feeling defensive yes. because they're not eating healthier and they want to eat healthier and they don't know how or there's just some you know there's there are many dynamics that could be going on and it doesn't have to happen at the table that doesn't have to be where you make your point it doesn't and so that's why I say you know you know you can say something like oh I, you know if, if this is your first time coming to an event you know your Thanksgiving or your Christmas or your New Year's gathering with your family and friends and this is the first time they're finding out that you're eating more vegan or more vegetarian. You can say something like, oh, I just wanted to eat healthier, you know, because it's making me feel better. That's it. Yep. You don't, you don't even have to put a title on it. I agree. You don't. you don't. You don't. You don't owe them an explanation and they don't owe you an explanation. You're not asking them to change how they eat. You're not questioning how they eat and they shouldn't be questioning you. But if they do then understand there could be a lot of reasons going on that they're asking and just say I'm good or you know I just chose it I just decided because I feel better this way and that's it and yeah. say you can talk about it later it can be really that easy you don't have to have the you don't have to bring the pressure or accept the pressure I agree so what do you think about the fact that I guess some of the awkwardness um, dealing with sometimes I would say like your great aunt or mm -hmm. your grandmother <laughs> why aren't you eating my macaroni and cheese why because see here's the thing about in my experience you mm -hmm. know the older relatives tend to be a little more 
uh, offended or, or <laughs> when you mm-hmm. don't want their food, especially if you grew up eating it and you've always loved it. And all of a sudden it's like, eh, I don't want to do that anymore. So how would you suggest handling that? I would suggest hugging your auntie, your older auntie or your grandma and say, oh, you know, I love you. That's it. Just yeah. say, oh, you know, I love you. Or just say, you, you know, I love you. I'm just eating a little differently now. That's it. And give them a kiss and, and walk away. Um, and it really can be that simple. If you, if they, if they fix your plate, you know, if they're putting things on your plate, take the plate and then give it to somebody else or go put it down and make your, and make your own plate. We have the, so the thing is, is that, you know, these are your older relatives and they just may not get it or be as accepting. Although everyone knows somebody who's vegetarian and vegan these days. And most people will say to you, when you tell them you're eating this way or eating more of this kind of food, you're transitioning. Oh, I don't eat that much meat myself. Yeah. Oh, I don't eat, I don't eat turkey or, you know, I don't eat beef anymore. I never eat pork anymore. You know, there's a story. So they, so it's easier now. You hear, everybody knows somebody who's doing that or done that. And, and that will be for your older relatives as well. But if you have some really diehard meat eaters in your family, older relatives, then you, you really have to accept that and just say, and just be true to yourself and say, you know, I love you. I just don't, I just don't, you know, I'm not eating that, or I, I, I'm just not eating that way. You don't have to say why. You don't have to disparage the food. You don't have to do any of that. You just say it and that's it. Or just say, I'm good, auntie. Oh, I'm good. And really just be sweet and gentle about it and just let it go. Yes. And they have to, and, and they have to accept it because you, you don't have to like keep the conversation going. No. Just say what you have to say and end it. Smile, give them a hug or a kiss and walk away. That's yeah, it. That's all. I agree. That's it. Just, and let you know, it just be done. Yeah, that first year may be a little interesting, but after <laughs> that, it's a process. And I will say, I'm just so incredibly thankful because I remember my first Thanksgiving. Um, my dad had no idea what to make me. So what he did is, um, and, you know, I, I, he, he called and it was like, what do you want? And I was just like, no, it's fine. I'm going to bring, you know, I'll eat before I come. And I lived mm-hmm. down the street at that time. I lived down the street from my parents. So it wasn't a big deal. I just ate before I came. And then, you know, I was like, I'll bring a little something to bring, you know, for me to eat. And my dad went all out. He made me like uh, black beans and rice and salad and all this different stuff he made. And I just truly appreciate it and I think the reason why he probably wanted to make sure I had of course he wanted to make sure I had something to eat but another reason why is because I didn't make him feel like he had to do something so Mm -hmm. because of that and I came from a place of like oh it doesn't matter you know I appreciate it but you know whatever you want to do it made him want to help because I didn't make him feel bad about the fact that we're going to still have turkey and ham and I think that like you're basically like you've been saying our attitude and our approach and being gentle and easy makes a huge difference in how other people perceive us anyway and we want to be perceived as normal you know the people that you always love and it's just that we decided to take control of the way we eat so exactly um, and then and it will and it will people will watch you you know your relatives will watch you that will make a that will make a difference for them and and as the years go by Um, They'll want to try, you know, if you're bringing some food, they'll want to try your food. They'll see the difference that it's making in your life. Um, And every year you will see more and more of your relatives, you know, surprising you and wanting to try the food or or actually transitioning themselves. That certainly that certainly happened with us. My mother was 50 
um, 30 years ago when she became vegetarian and then vegan with me and they watched my mother get healthier and health. I mean, my mother was already healthier, but they, they watched her maintain her health, maintain her weight. Uh, she's 79 and you know, is in excellent health. Basically, it was the reverse of what happens to a lot of people. Exactly. Um, usually, you see people's uh, health go decline, decline as they, yeah, as right. they get older, and she just maintained it. So that in itself is a testimonial to That's them. They I'm were saying. like, "Oh my goodness!" And your yeah. relatives see that. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? They see that, and they want, and and so they they want to emulate that. They want to know what's going on, and so the, and they will see that with you. And that's why I'm saying, just be easy with it. You know, you um, and the other thing is that my when we first started, we used to have Sunday dinner at my grandmother's house. You know, when we first became vegan in, in that in the late 80s, you know, we had to tell my grandmother that we couldn't eat her food. And that was difficult. Um, and she said, you know, and my mother doing it, too. And she said, oh, y'all done got sanctified, you know, <laughs> and Mary, you done joined them. And it was hard because, you know, like you said, that's how they show their love. Absolutely. Um, but we were, you know, we were gentle and we were firm. And so we would bring our food um, to my grandmother's house. Right. And she'd be indignant and all of that. But, you know, we were still we were pleasant. We were loving and all of that. We just were, do, you know, what could she do? This is what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and my grandmother came around and started, you know, um, I remember her calling me and telling me she wanted um, to bake me a pie. And that was her way of saying, come visit me. I haven't seen you. It's been too long. And so she, she said, I'm going to make you a pie. Bring your ingredients. So I brought my ingredients and she made me a vegan apple pie from scratch. And we sat there and ate it with vegan ice cream. Yes. That's, yes. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, See, that's I, how you that's do it. Yeah. That's how you do it. That is how you do it. But what do you suggest for someone to bring, I guess, a small side dish for themselves and whoever is willing to share with them? Yeah, I always say, you know, to bring something extra so for the for the folks who want to taste. Um, but it, it just depends on on whether you want to be able to feast at the same time that everybody else is feasting. Right. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, it, you know, and and are you going to just feast on vegan food or you just want to bring some side dishes? So um there are all these vegan restaurants now that have something, even native foods, they have, you know, they have something that will will stand in for the turkey, right? I've seen that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, you can get something at the um, the vegan soul food places, you know, they, they actually have vegan Thanksgiving things, so you don't have to cook it yourself, you can order it from them, and that's typically what we do, because we're, you know, we... We've been doing this 30 years. We don't need to cook. I know. That's right. We'll just go get it. Uh-huh. So we'll get mac and cheese. We'll get whatever the, the roast is with the gravy, you know, that that's standing in for the for the turkey. We'll get mashed potatoes. We'll get collard greens. We'll get cornbread, um, potato salad. So there's, a, you know, and, there, and we always get, uh, you know, apple pie and ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what we bring. And so we're feasting along with everybody else. You know, in terms of turkey, if we're not to, you know, to eat something uh, else besides that, we get creative. Like if, it, if we're not going to get some kind of um, roast or something from a restaurant, uh, then we do what everybody else does. You know, we kind of look on the Internet and see what's out there. So sometimes we'll have a stuffed squash. Um, uh, sometimes my mother will make uh, tofu cutlets with um, gravy that has uh, sage and mushrooms. It's mm. a brown gravy with, with whole wheat flour and, and olive oil. 
uh, basil, it's scrumptious. So, um, you know, it just depends kind of on, on what we're looking for. One time we, we felt like lasagna. So I made two big lasagnas and we had that as part of our Thanksgiving. So the fact that, you know, you don't actually have to replace the turkey if you don't want to, you right. know, you can just do, just, just be easy and, and whatever you feel like. But if it's something where you're trying to show your relatives, look, instead of turkey, you can have a vegan version that has similar uh, seasonings and taste and texture. Then, you know, you, then the, that's the time that you might want to go to the store, to the, to the health food store and see what's available. I'm like you. I feel like it's whatever you have a taste for and just kind of, I mean, I'm okay with having a whole bunch of side dishes for Thanksgiving. It doesn't have to be. It's okay that we don't replace the turkey, like you said. Right. You can do whatever works for you. Exactly. I love that lasagna idea too. What do, you like yeah. to, what do you like to put in your lasagna? I put in um, tofu. So I make, so I browned, uh, you know, I use extra firm tofu and I crumble it and I brown it on, on the stove, uh, saute it with um, different seasonings. This, this is a recipe in my book too for the lasagna. Mm -hmm. And I use spinach um, and lots of mushrooms. So that's like the, that's the filling of it. And if I'm making it for my niece, she likes the, the day of cheese. Yeah. So I'll add day of cheese to it. But if I'm making it just for myself, I don't. The tang, the twang that um, I, you know, that the cheese will offer, I get from nutritional yeast and from olives. Yes. But you know what's funny about the vegan cheese? I feel like a little bit goes a long way anyway. Like you wouldn't yeah. need a big, you know how if you make lasagna before you were vegan, you put a whole lot of cheese on it. It's a good thing. But with vegan cheese, it's like a little bit is all you really need. That's true. It's very rich. Yeah. And, and my mother's uh, sweet potatoes. We, my mother makes the best sweet potatoes and she always she we always bring those too um and that recipe's on my website also yeah so before we wrap up any final advice that you want to give to someone who is just getting started um on this journey even if it's just not for the holidays but just in general someone who is just thinking about being vegan what suggestions um excuse me what uh, advice would you give that person my advice is to understand why you're doing it whether it's for health reasons, environmental reasons, animal rights reasons, spiritual reasons, whatever the reasons are, get intimate with your why because you are always going to have a uh, temptation in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that you used to eat are going to look good and smell good, but you have to know the why, why you're doing it. And that will help you to move through, to flow through those moments. Um, and Think of this transition as something that is beautiful. This is you're you're going to the other side and you're going to be living a life that is beautiful for your body, for your soul, for your spirit. And um, you know, don't think of it as having to deprive yourself. Thinking of think of it as as uh, you're creating a more abundant life. I really, really never have never seen. Um, being vegan as deprivation. I've always seen it as abundance and joy. Um, and even though the transition, you know, was challenging and there were starts and stops for me for about a year, um, that was just part of the growing process, the evolution process. But, you know, for 30 years I've been doing this. I've never, ever looked back. It's been, it's been wonderful and you can do it too. I love it. I love it. Tell us where we can reach you online. 
You can reach me at, um, my website is byanygreensnecessary.com, and uh, that's my Facebook page, and on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at byanygreens. Thank you so much. And also, shout out your book, too. Of I course, like, same name. <laughs> same name, By Any Greens Necessary. Yes, get Tracy's book. Thank you so, so much for being on the show, to share your expertise. I knew you were going to be an amazing guest, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Monique. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can get the show notes and everything we mentioned at brownvegan.com under episode 34. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. <laughs>